Welcome back to another episode of the Sports is Job podcast. Before we get to our amazing guest, I have to make you aware of a special offer. We started this with our last guest. I want to offer all of our listeners a free one-month trial of SBS, the Clubhouse's Pro Membership. We are giving you access to exclusive webinars, over 100 sports industry mentors, and career advice from the founder himself, Bob Hamer. All you have to do to claim your free trial for this incredible resource is email bob at sportsbusiness.solutions and mention Sports' Job sent you. Now let's navigate the sports industry and let's get right to the episode. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of you Sports' Job listeners. Welcome back to another episode. I have another amazing guest for all of you. He is currently the Assistant Media Relations Director at the University of Hawaii Manoa Athletics. He is a graduate of Western Kentucky University in 2011 with a Bachelor of Arts in Broadcast Media. He went to Moorhead State University for his Master's from 2015 to 2017. I would like to welcome Eric Matthews to the Sports is Job podcast. How are we doing there back home in my beautiful home of Hawaii? My man, Kobe, bro, it is about as nice as it could possibly be here in Hawaii. I could not be any happier to one. Just sitting outside recording a podcast in the sunshine and the wind blowing, the ocean right down. I, I'm taking care of your home state as well as I can, my man. And see, I think that's a great part to start because one of the, the most frequent questions I get, right, going from Hawaii to all the way here in Minnesota, they're always like, how the heck in the world did you end up here in Minnesota like why would you leave Hawaii to come all the way to Minnesota and and I wanted to reference a picture you tweeted out on your Twitter in August 30th 2018 where you posted this picture of you at the 40-yard line at the Loja Stadium University of Hawaii football game and you said in quoting you you said dreams become realities my friends you have to take risk and I have to wonder how does someone end up right from you're from Kentucky all the way from Kentucky to Hawaii, because I think that's as much of a, a, a change as it is for me to go Hawaii to Minnesota. Ooh, uh, that, that's, that's a, that's a deep one. Um, the, the spark notes version, I talked it into existence. Mm. Um, I came up as a broadcaster. As you talk about what my bachelor's degree was in, I came up, and, and broadcasting, I did radio and television. I worked at IMG. Last time I checked, I think I'd been on air in 18 different states, like on either radio or television. And when I was in school, I became a diehard Hawaii football fan. And this was when Colt Brennan, Devon Best, June Jones were at Hawaii, and they were fun to watch. I just became a huge fan. I remember I'm working at a Fox sports station in Bowling Green, Kentucky, where I went to school at Western Kentucky University. And I walked in for an interview for a internship at the Fox sports station. And I walked into my interview wearing a Colt Brennan Jersey (laughs) and the guy Norm hired me on the spot because I was wearing a Hawaii Colt Brennan Jersey. And I've been a Hawaii football fan ever since because I started working in college athletics when I was in college. So we were, we'd have games during the day or at night or whatever. By the time I got home, the only thing that was on TV was when Hawaii was on ESPN. 
and they were on ESPN a lot back in 2006, 2007. So I just became a huge Hawaii fan, and I just followed the program from, from that point on. And we can go more in depth and whatnot, but I just got to a point where when I got out of broadcasting and I went back to school, you mentioned I got my master's degree at Moorhead. When I was at Moorhead, uh, I had an assignment where you had to just interview someone in the business. Didn't matter who it was. Just interview them, talk to them about the business. And everybody in my, in my master's classes were interviewing the guy that I worked for, where I was GA. Like, they were interviewing Nick Evans, who was our director. And I was like, I'm going to talk to the guy in Hawaii. I'm going I'm to meet him, just figure out, just talk to him. So it took me about a month. And I eventually got him on the phone to do an interview for this project. Now, mind you, Anytime anybody ever brought up, like, hey, what's your goal when you get out of when you get out of school? Like, what's your plan? I'm like, I want to go work in Hawaii. I want to be in Hawaii. That's where I want to go. And I just talked to him all the time. Like, you brought it up, I, I just talk about it. And so I got the director on the phone, his name is Derek Inochi. And Derek and I are talking, and we do the interview. We get to a certain point in the conversation where I'm looking at the website and I've noticed it's just Derek and one other assistant. And I was like, Hey man, like you guys do a lot of work for just two people. Like, how's this, how does this happen? He's like, Oh, like we're, you know, we've had some turnover lately. We've had some stuff going on and it's like, Oh, okay, cool, cool. And we went on and we, we talked about a few other things. And I said to him at the end of the conversation, I was like, Hey, if I ever get a chance to, to come out to Hawaii, would you want to talk in person? Like, just me? Sure, if you want to. I don't see any reason why you shouldn't. Cool, I'll see you in six weeks. Wow. I made it up on the spot. Said, I'll see you in six weeks. And he's like, really? Like, yeah, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come vacation. Like, I'm going to come Hawaii. I want to see, I wanna see all the, what all the hype's about. I want to I come out there. So, I, you know, I'm, I've been playing for a while. I hadn't planned it. I, I was making it up as I was talking to him. And he was like, oh, yeah, sure. If you, if you come out here, yeah, like, hit me up, email me. Let's figure this out. Cool. Gotcha. Hung up. I called up my buddy Patrick. I said, hey, you want to go on an adventure? Like, sure. What are we doing? Like, Let's go to, we're going to Hawaii in six weeks. All right. So that day, after I got the phone with him, I booked a flight to Hawaii. I booked an Airbnb for real cheap. Six weeks later, when the semester is over, I'm on a plane heading to Hawaii with my buddy Patrick. And I got there. I talked to Derek. We met in person. And we, you know, we clicked. We hit it off. And when I was sitting there in his office and we're chatting, he, asked, he says, he goes, hey, I want to offer you an internship. But I don't want you to take it. Uh, all right. Why? This is where I want to go, man. Like, what are we talking about here? He's like, well, I like what you're doing. You're doing things the right way. But if you took this, it would kill you financially. It would destroy you. And he goes, I don't want that to happen. I just want you to know you're doing things the right way. You know, keep doing it. I said, hey, I, I appreciate that. Kudos. Can I, can I, you know, contact you? Can I, you know, email one every once in a while, call you if I need anything? It's like, yes, you should, you better, I hope you do. All right, cool. 
a week later, I flew back home to Kentucky. I was still in school at Moorhead. And we stayed in contact and, well, you know, other things led to that, which we will get to that here in a minute. But that was the start of it. That's kind of how everything got the ball rolling was I talked into existence and I took one hell of a risk and just made it up on the spot and got him on the phone and went out there. So you made that initial connection and that's, that's extreme. I mean, really it's extreme for you to fly all the way to Hawaii but I think one thing, and we talked about this through Twitter and Twitter DMs, is the process of not just making that initial connection, but continuing that connection and that relationship moving forward. So let, let's put it on a timeline. So you met, so you went to Hawaii. When was this before you graduated? Like, what year was it? Uh, it was the spring of 2016. I just finished my first year of, uh, of graduate school at Moorhead. So it was May of 2016 uh, when I flew out there. And then you ended up going to the University of Hawaii, your current job in around what, 2018? Yeah, 2018. So here's the timeline of, of how things happened. So after I got back from my trip to Hawaii, mm-hmm. when I met Derek for the first time, I was, I was working at an NPR station in Moorhead for the summer. And just to make a little extra cash. And there was a a job that had reached out to me six months before this. And it was Kentucky State University. HBCU um, in Kentucky. That was in the capital of Kentucky, Frankfurt. And those of you who don't know what HBCU is, Historically Black College University. And I didn't know a whole lot about it. But what ended up happening was when I was at Moorhead, I got hired by a group called the Scores Table that's based out of Tennessee. And they would hire SIDs and other people to come and stat on the computer their games. Like we all know, Stat Crew, you know, a few years ago was, you know, the, the pinnacle of, of keeping stats for games for live stats and whatever else and your official stuff for NCAA and your websites. And so I got hired by them to do some games around Kentucky and one of the schools that had that had hired scores table that hired me um, was Kentucky state. I went out there and I worked a game and the atmosphere and the culture just kind of captivated me. It was like, it was really fun. And just like, you know, the band was booming. Like there was a big crowd. It was like a good time. And it just really caught my attention. But at the same time, this was, like I said, this was, winter spring of 2015 and 2016 KSU was in a lot of financial problems and it was publicized and the athletic director him and I hit it off and he comes up to me after like one game that I was working he's like would you be interested in being our director being our SID and I was like thanks but no thanks I I, I appreciate it. I still got another year of school left I, I don't think the timing's right Well, that happened, but we get to that summer after the Hawaii trip, and the AD, the name is uh, Dr. William Head, calls me back up, says, Eric, I want you to apply for this job. I want you to come in and interview. I want us to talk. All right, fine. I talked to my my director in Moorhead, Nick Evans, and Nick said, do it. Just, Just get the experience. 
just talk to them. Just figure out what's going on. So when you do apply for a job you really do want, you know what to do. All right, good advice. So I went into the interview, and I interviewed with, with Coach Head and five others, a couple of coaches, a couple of people from the university, and everything went well. And I went back to Moorhead, and this is the, still to this day, this is one of the strangest conversations I've ever had on the phone in this business. Coach Head calls me and goes, hey, Eric, you're our guy. You're hired. I'll see you in two weeks. I'll send you everything you need, that you need to fill out. And he hangs up. <laughs> didn't give me time to say anything. Just said, you're our guy. So he didn't give me a chance to say no. <clears throat> and I felt like I, – I, I, I felt obligated in a way because I thought the interview went well and I thought maybe I could fit in here. But at the same time, like, Colby, you got you to remember that I'm a, I'm a year into the business. Mm. I'm a GA. I'm getting hired to be the director of, of sports information – one man band for 13 sports at a D2. So I, I took the job. And so I, I was at KSU. The first year I was there, I was finishing up my degree. So I'm doing my degree while overseeing 13 sports, working every home event and, and doing all that. And um, that went on for the first year. And then, uh, the next half year, um, I end up leaving after that and going to Hawaii. Now, if we want to go into the Kentucky State stuff, I can, but it, it can get kind of gruesome if we want to go down that road. I mean, what was the – because that's an interesting thing, right? You you talked about you took, you know, one year into the business, into grad school, and then you take this SID job. What was the slap of reality in your face? I mean, what was the the hardest part about that? God's honest truth, 100% God's honest truth. Five days into getting hired, I started. AD that hired me gets fired. Really? Five days in. Hold on, let me let me light my cigar real quick because <laughs> this is a cigar moment. Uh, I'll get in there in a second, hold on. We're amongst friends. If you're, if you're listening to this, have a drink, have a smoke, let's have a good time. <laughs> so five days in, Coach Head gets let go. And that was my safety net. Because when I was at Moorhead, man, like I had two safety nets. I had Nick Evans, who was my director, and I had Matthew Shaber, who was our other assistant. So if I screwed up, I had somebody like to make sure like, oh, we'll fix this. We'll do this. Because I'm a year into this. Like I got, I'm passionate, but I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I'm just figuring out as I go and asking questions and, and, and going about things. And so when Coach Head gets let go, there goes my safety net. I'm like, what am I doing? And unfortunately, the, the school went in a direction that made it a lot tougher than it needed to be. And they ended up hiring an athletic director that had no business being an athletic director. And I don't mind saying that. I know if you're listening to this, you're like, oh, my God, this guy's committing – career suicide, he's dropping names, and he's saying stuff like that. No, I'm dead serious. The guy, the athletic director's name was William Graham. He had no business being in that job. None whatsoever. He was, he was in his late 60s. That's not a big deal. I don't care about that. But he had never been a sports administrator. He had never worked in an athletic department besides being a coach 20 years prior to that. When he took the job, 
he was the director of intramurals and he was a, and he was a adjunct professor, but because he was a former coach, his number was retired. They thought, Oh, this is a good fit. It wasn't, it was really, really tough um, because he didn't know what was going on. And we had a group that of, of young people that were hungry, that worked on administration that he did not hire any of us. Um, there was an assistant athletic director named Daniel Price, one of my best friends in the entire world. Then David Morton, another one of my best friends. He was a compliance coordinator and a softball coach. And Fatima Shabazz, who was a compliance coordinator and an assistant track coach at the time. You had us four that pretty much ran the department. And none of us had more experience in a couple of years. And it was tough. Like I, the, the horror stories I got from the year and a half I was there and kind of putting up with it and dealing with it was they're, – they're bad. I mean, they're pretty tough. And it, it was a year and a half that just wasn't – the culture of the actual school was fantastic. I loved working at HBCU. I know if you're listening to me, you cannot see me. But I am from I am from Kentucky. I am a, a, a heavy set, burly, bearded guy with a very, you know, loud, obnoxious voice on occasions. And I went for what was a PWI, which is you know, primary white institution of Moorhead State to an HBCU. You, you there's no way I'd fit in. I did. I loved it. It was fantastic. The coaches, the athletes, it was fun. But the AD, he ruined it. It was tough working for and working with him because he had the slightest clue what he was doing and how to run a, a, a Division II program and what went into just game days, what went into just operational things. He had no idea. And it made it extremely tough. And about a year into my time there, he ended up getting suspended. Um, on paid leave and because of how he treated other employees. And I'm not going to go into detail about that just because like, I, I can't, I don't think I can legally. And he was put on leave and I thought things would get a little better and they did to an extent, but we get, we get a few months into it and they bring him back. And I remember I'm sitting there with, with the other coaches and, and other administrators. There wasn't very many of us. And they told us that they were going to bring him back. And I am just turning beet red because I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, we just got past hell. And we're going back? Why? And I remember in that meeting, the lawyer, like, he – because he knew the relationship that I had with him and others had with him. And he actually pointed me out and goes, Eric, you're going to be all right. And I sat there and I clapped my hands together and I wiped them and I said, I'm done. I will get us to May. I will do everything I can to run our games and to get us to May. But I'm done after that. I, I cannot work for him or with him because of all these, of all these different things. And like, oh, I'm going to be like it was, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, cool. You say that. Don't care. I'm still going to be out. And this was Thanksgiving of 2017 when they brought him back. And a month later, 
uh, we're at Christmas. And the, the cool thing about working D2 uh, is you do actually get time off during <laughs> Christmas. They gave us two weeks off, which is kind of nice to have. But I'm on vacation. And on December 19, 2017, I got an email from Derek at Hawaii. And he said his, his email was, hey, I know your director. I know you're doing well. Because the entire year and a half, if I had a problem, I was going to him and others. There were other people that I was, that I was talking to that were in the business to kind of help out with ideas. And like, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. So like, I'm talking to people that were in the business that have been doing it for years. Like, hey, what do you think about this idea? How can I make this happen? Who should I, how should I staff this? And Derek was one of those guys. And I stayed in contact with him, emailed him a couple times a month, maybe a phone call here and there. And he sent me an email on December 19th of 2018 and said, I got an opportunity for you. It's not a guaranteed full-time position, but it's a foot in the door. Let me know if you're interested. I hit him back within an hour. We need to talk as soon as you can. And that was and that was the end of it, and we we started getting the ball rolling on getting me to Hawaii, and this is another one of those you referenced that tweet earlier that I made that you got to take risk. I told you the risk I took of going out to Hawaii on just a whim. Well, when I was at Kentucky State, I was a salary employee. I'm a director. I have benefits. I have health insurance. I have all these things that I needed. Being at the time, you know, I was like 28, 29 years old. And so I was like, like I was okay financially and, and going in a good direction. When I talked to Derek, he was like, I can't guarantee you benefits. I can't guarantee you health insurance. Only I can give you is 40 hours a week at this pay. And I can't remember what the hourly wage was, but it was 40 hours a week. That was it. It was a casual hire position is what they called it. And it was entry level. And they, there's nothing he could have done. But I was like, I don't care. Let, let's, let's keep this conversation going. I am really interested. And on my 30th birthday, which was January 16th of 2018, I accepted the job and I turned in my resignation at, at Kentucky State. And it was the happiest day that I had had in a long, long time when I did that, because I knew that I was better than what I was a year and a half ago. I had been a director. I had learned a lot, but I had an opportunity to, to, to go division one at a university that I was just, you know, head over heels for, I want to be a part of. And, and Eric, I'm glad that you, you mentioned a very few key points that, that the listeners that you can take away is that, you know, if you ever feel like you're over your head or, or there's certain things you don't know, it's important to have people you can reach out to and, and continue those relationships with people within the industry. So you can shoot them a message so you can email them. And it's very similar to you, Eric. Like for me, you know, I found myself, um, you know, in charge of home game operations at this D2 school. And I've been here as a student worker. But in reality, there's a lot of things I didn't know what to do. My one ascendant director, SWA, she went on to maternity leave. So now here I am, you know, now I'm in charge of 20 other employees, our campus wellness center, and having to worry about all the home game operations. And I'm thinking to myself, what the heck in the world do I do? Like, I don't know 
how to balance all of this and and all of that. And, and it's important, I think, for it's something that you did. And it's something I think I did. I recognize that I, I allowed myself to feel that way and not ignore like, hey, no, I do know what I'm doing. But in reality, you don't, you know, don't feel afraid to reach out to people. And I think that's important. Now, Eric, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of things you talked about, about speaking things to existence. And I'm a believer that and believer in that as well. But also, I think it's important to note the the experiences and, and the different work that you put in. And you talked about this through our Twitter DMs. You've like basically volunteered at like 10 different schools, worked at 10 different colleges, volunteered at 10 different schools. And everyone talks about volunteer experience is important. So now what's your view and take on volunteering? Like, like should people, should college students do more of it or should they do less? Let me answer that by, by saying this, I hate that volunteering is the best way to get involved. Everyone should get paid for their time. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree with that. I wish that was the case, but it's not. That's just the reality of the situation. I hope it changes. I hope it gets better as time goes on, but it's been this way for a while. And, but it is the best way to get involved. And here's why. I, like you said, I've been at 10 schools either as a full-time employee or as a volunteer or, you know, intern. And I've been at every level, NAIA, Division Three, Division Two, Division One, And I even spent some time with some professional teams just being a fly on the wall. And I always use, I always use this comparison or analogy was I learned to do the same thing 10 different ways. And it, 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 com- it becomes vital. Because when you're volunteering, it says a couple of different things. It says, I'm serious. It says, I want to be here. It says that I am going to do what it takes to figure this out. And when you're around certain people that acknowledge that that's a good thing and like, I wish I could pay this person, they feel obligated to eventually hire you. Like they're trying. Like they are, like they are trying. I want to hire them. I wish I could. I'll figure out a way. You know that that kind of what goes in the mind of a director or someone that is full time was I want you here, and that's the best thing that you can do is is just getting involved and 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 telling yourself I need to learn how to do other things. And when you're volunteering, that's where you learn. Because if you screw up as a volunteer, no one cares. <laughs> you're, you're free help. You can go in. You can screw up. You can do whatever and learn on the fly and not feel like it's going to be the end of your time. And that's a good thing. That, that's something I even use as a professional. I am not scared at all to fail. Not the least little bit. Because it happened to me early on in my career and I worked at IMG. And – there's nothing wrong with it because when you when you do that you learn and there's a there's a quote that I, I've heard a long time ago that is if you're not winning you're learning and that's what volunteering is about you're learning as you go and you screw up and you figure out I don't want to do that again or like you know I, I stack chairs this way it took me two hours if I do it this way it take me 45 minutes I'm gonna do it that way for now on because you learn you figure out stuff um, volunteering is crucial. 
And I, I wish it was a little different, but it does help because it opens up a lot of doors for you. And being at 10 different schools, I built up a network. I built up all these different people that I could reference and talk to and figure some stuff out. And it helped a lot. And I think, it, you know, you're an advocate for paying interns. I've definitely seen it, you know, on your LinkedIn doing my research. I saw you post even a video that one of your interns did of the football. And you said this was absolutely amazing. And you talked about how to all the other directors or people overlooking interns. Hey, don't just make these interns go get you coffee. They can actually do some amazing work. So for that intern, for the for the people who are listening who are interns are going to be an intern. How do they approach a director? How do they approach you? Let's say you're their supervisor. How do they approach you? And saying, hey, I appreciate you giving me this work, I, you know, getting coffee or doing paperwork, but I do have more, th- more to give. Like, how do they approach that? How do they approach their supervisor to make that happen? Face to face. Come to me head on. That's me. That's how I am. Not everybody is that way. Understand that. You got you to gotta gauge the atmosphere that you're in, who you're working with, who you're working for. Using me as an example here. And this happens at, at Hawaii every once in a while is you have a student or a volunteer that wants you more involved and they just get in the door and they're doing stuff. And then like, they'll see something like, Hey, I have an idea. What do you think about this? And usually when somebody comes at me with it say, I have an idea, my reaction almost every time is I love it. How can we make that it is. I love it because I'm just happy that you're coming at me with ideas. You're coming with me ideas that means you care and that you want to be involved. Now, we can take your idea and I say I love it. We're going to change it 10 different ways to make it work. But every time I'm going to tell you I love it is I want you to keep coming at me with ideas. That's important. Anytime someone comes to me head on, I automatically take note of it just immediately. Because that's a sign. That's a sign that this person is not afraid. They want to do something and they have a passion about it. Because if they, if they just kind of like, oh, I'm going to send you a text message. I'm like, all right, cool. I, 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 thanks for the idea. I appreciate it. I, I dig it. But when you go at me head on, it tells me that. And, and that's important. That person-to-person communication um, of trying to help yourself and to me is extremely important. And I always appreciate that when volunteers or students come at me because case in point, here's the best example I can give is we had a, a women's volleyball player at UH two years ago that just came to us, didn't work, did not work in our department at all. Just was interested in working in our department. And she came to us with this idea about being on camera and wanting to do something. And that's my background. So when she brought it to us, I got thinking. And we had put together and we had put together this idea about doing like this, this weekly roundup of what's going on in Hawaii athletics. And it started out like an Instagram story thing. We are two years later. That idea that she came to us about wanting to be on screen on social media has turned into this weekly, every Monday, 10 o'clock on UH Athletics, 
sponsored content that's bringing money into the department. And it's one of our most viewed videos and interacting in Twitter engaged and IG engaged ideas that we've had in the last two years where it has highlights and commentary. It's like a mini little sports center. Just because she came to us and said, I, I, I want to do this. And she did it in person. And like, Sibs, this was great. This, I mean, she's graduated and we're still doing it. And every time she comes to us going, hey, can you write me a letter of recommendation? Hey, can you call this person on behalf? Sibs, happy to. Every single time. Because she cared. She took a chance. She did it in person. It made a difference. So everybody, you know, we all the guests that we have on, I think for all of you listening, it seems like it's a common theme, right? To get your foot in the door is not enough. It it really isn't. Once you get your foot in that door, you got to start running. You got to start jogging. You got to start putting action to your words. You have to start putting, doing things and taking risks like Eric is talking about. Now you mentioned you've worked at D1 level, D2 level, D3, NAIA professional teams. And I think everybody always wonders, you know, what level is for them? Is D1 the level for me, D2 or D3? Can you kind of explain, you know, what the difference? Let's 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 go with D one D two. What's really the ultimately the difference between those two? And what do you think? Who do you think fits well? Like what type of person fits well with D one compared to D two? A D one professional is one that does not mind eyeballs and does not mind interaction, because if you're at a D one school then you, you have a fan base. You have a fan base that is paying attention all the time. It may be big, it may be small, depending on what school you're at and what sports you're working with. And whether in your marketing or whether in media relations or whatever it is you're doing, you have to be able to work with others and you have to be able to understand you're going to get criticized on occasions because of whatever reason. There's more eyeballs and people are wanting your job. Um, because everybody thinks your job is the coolest because you work with college athletics. So like division one, like that is like a a big thing is understanding that there's going to always be these people communicating with you, criticizing, second guessing, doing different things uh, of what you are doing. And Division one is filled with young people. It's also filled with people who have been in the same position for 30, 40 years. So it really, people get in, they never get out. And a lot of those things, because it is, it is a stable gig um, and can be enjoyable, can be fun, but also can have its tough points. D2, it's either two, it's, it's either two things. And I'm pretty dead set on this. It's either filled with people that are trying to build up their resume and like this is their starter job and they're just trying to just get better and learn and mess up and do whatever and just try to get attention at some point from other people at division one schools to eventually get a job or it's someone who is content and is a little bit older and doesn't care if they move up or do whatever they're like they're married that's home that's where they're at, and that's what they're going to do. Uh, that's usually what Division Two has, is you have your, your up-and-comers who are trying their best to move up, and you have the ones who are just like, this is home, it's where I'm staying. 
I have to agree with that because, you know, as I mentioned to all of our listeners, if you don't already know this, um, I'm in charge of home game operations in a small D2 school, University of Minnesota, Crookston, and then I'm 23. And coming out of college when I graduated, you know, I had a couple offers to work at bigger D1 schools, um, you know, the Big Ten schools in smaller roles. But I said, hey, let me go back to this school where I get to be in a leadership position. Like you were saying, let me fail a little bit where I have a little freedom to do things, take control, take leadership. And I'm 23 and the rest of my coworkers are either late thirties or late forties or beyond, right? They've been here for 15, 20 years. So I can definitely agree with that point. Now I want to end with this and I know you have a lot of experience and, and we'll probably have to get you on, but if you had to give yourself advice, right, coming out of Western Kentucky University, entering the sports industry, what would be the advice to give to yourself about navigating the sports industry? Oh, shoot. I thought you were going to ask me would I change anything. <laughs> um, what advice would I have given myself when I was coming out of school? <sighs> I would not have given myself the advice. And this is my personality. I would not have given my, myself advice to, um, to change how I approached the business or how I approach people. Mm. Because I, I, everything I've talked about, I'm 33. I just turned 33. I was the same kind of way when I was 22, 23, coming out of school as an undergrad. I was very – I took risk. I was very personable. I went after stuff. I was aggressive with things. The thing that I wish I did, and I would give anybody advice, is do not, and all, and I'm going to make a lot of people mad when I say this, because I believe this is the complete opposite of what you've been told, but I believe it 100%. Don't live and die and breathe the business. Don't. It hurts you. And here's why. Is you get so wrapped up in it you forget there's another world. You get stuck in your own bubble. You get stuck in your own terminology. You get stuck in your own way of thinking in terms of the business. You're like, well, that's how I get a job. I got to be able to do this. No, bro. No. You got to be a, you got to be an individual. You got to be a person. You got to be able to pull stuff from other facts of life. That's eventually going to help you in your career. That's eventually going to make you think about things a different way. And you don't get so wrapped up in it to where you become afraid. Because if you live and die and breathe the business that you're trying to get in, you're afraid to mess up. You're afraid that, oh, if I don't get this job, I'm done. Or if I get, you know, if I get six months in, there's a change of administration, I get let go, I'm done. No, that, that's not true. None of that is true. The truest thing is, is if you go about your business the right way in terms of having ethics, having morals, and having a positive mindset of wanting to get better, wanting to learn new things, want to try different things, that's going to help you stay involved because the business is always changing. And that's why I'm suggesting and saying understand life outside of the business is because you get a real good grasp of that, that all these different elements play a role in making you a better person. When you become more well-rounded as an individual, you're more well-rounded at work and inside your profession. And that stuff's important. So like, don't think that, Oh, 
I'm 22, I'm 23, I don't have a job now, it's never going to happen. No, go work at AT&T and sell cell phones for a little while, but volunteer and, and do all these different things and wherever you can and just be involved. You're learning how to be a pro while you're working at AT&T. Eventually, it's going to help you with some situation and interact with people when you're at your real job that you really, really want. That stuff matters. So don't live and die and breathe by the business because you're going to get stuck. And eventually you're going to think, this is all I can do. And that's not true. That's not all you can do. Because you know how to work stat crew, just use that as an example, you also know how to program a computer to a certain extent. You know what's up. Just because all, all I know how to do is work Photoshop no, you learn how to be an artist. You can go somewhere else and do certain things. And, and, you, and if you know one Adobe program, you know them all for the most part. And like all that stuff's important. So that would be the advice I would give myself at 22, 23. When I'm getting out of school, that's my advice. I'm telling anybody that's listening to this. It is okay to be yourself. It's okay to not wake up and go to bed thinking about this stuff because this stuff is honestly as fun as it is as tough it is as it is we work in athletics it's not all that important it's great it's a cool gig but don't don't measure your success as a person on top on this and your success in this it'll happen it will if you stick with it there's gonna be some cat that's gonna give you an opportunity and you're gonna love it it's going to be awesome. But if you just like get like all worked up about it, you're going to hurt yourself more than you're helping yourself. Well, thank you, Eric, for joining us on the sports is job podcast. And I think those words of encouragement and advice, I think those are beautiful, especially in times of COVID where a lot of people are struggling to get into the sports industry because of the job landscape. And I've a lot of my peers They've left the sports industry and they're happy doing what they're doing because at the end of the day, sometimes it's it's not necessarily the industry that you're working in, but what you're doing, the, the, the value that you're providing. And a lot of these skills and, and tool sets that you're talking about, they're transferable everywhere. Whether you're working a job outside of sports, trying to come back in, working in sports, trying to get out, skills at the end of the day is transferable anywhere. Where can people find you on social media and connect with you, Eric? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is the same on both. Eric's Joyride. Eric's Joyride. Follow, hit me up, message me. I am all for it. I am a, a big advocate of young people in this business because they're the ones that help it thrive. They're the ones that make the machine work. So if you want to connect with me, if you want to network with me, feel free uh, if you hear the wind in the background, I apologize. I am in Hawaii. I am sitting outside, so my bad on that one. But if you want to network with me, feel free. It is an open avenue. I don't care if we've met before or we haven't. We're all friends. So we're good. Find me. Hit me up. Ask me questions. Just talk. I'm all for it. Never know. One day I can help you. One day you can help me. And we all can enjoy what we do. To all of our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please visit sportsisjob.com to listen to the rest of our podcast episodes along with the Rookie Contract, the Cutback Podcast, and all of our articles that are focused on helping you navigate the sports industry. If you're listening to this on the Apple Podcast, please give us a rating and review. 
And like I always say, we are all in our own individual journeys, but you are not alone.